I can't get that driver is so good for me. Uh, the TSI 3, I cannot find a better driver and I put up against the stealth. All right, everybody, how you living? Uh, here we go, episode 102. At some point in time, we'll stop counting episodes until we get to episode 111, which is the uh, ultimate reveal with something Tony has planned. Put that on my lap, sure. Wait, I don't know, right? I don't know yeah, if that's well, a good thing or a bad thing, the ultimate reveal. I don't know if I'm scared or, well, or terrified full at the same Monty. time. Full Monty. Um, anyway, this episode, we got Harry Nodwell back. People thought he was dead, but we're going to talk to Harry. <laughs> and I want to know what role... Harry. Hari. I want to know what role... Harry is probably the way that I have to say it so people understand. I get Eric, Aaron a lot. It's bad. But I also want to know what role golf equipment manufacturers should play with all of this live uh, LIV golf tour, uh, etc. People have focused almost exclusively on the people and uh, the players, who they are, etc. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the equipment manufacturers because that's that's a little bit of uh, our world. But uh, before we get into that, Harry, mm. how you living? What are you doing? People thought you were dead. You are not. I'm not. I'm alive. I didn't get deported, so I'm still here. <laughs> uh, Once upon a time, you? that was not guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, that was not guaranteed. Yeah, it was, it was a tough time. Uh, anyway, but I'm still here. Um, still doing the soft goods, still writing articles, still testing, and still running the test facility here in Yorktown, Virginia. So every, yeah. everything that you see coming out of this studio is um, is coming out of me and Philip's eyes. Uh, we're along with Tony looking at the data as well. So we're rocking and rolling. Yeah. Well, and one thing, um, you know, you just played in the U.S. Open qualifier. Obviously, people that have paid attention know that you are our best player on staff. You're a sometimes. plus whatever handicap sometimes. Most of the time, it's not all the time, but you just played in a U.S. Open qualifier. Maybe didn't go exactly how you wanted to, but I want to uh, key into two questions there. Number one, what was your bag setup? Because, uh, you know, the only reason I asked is what's in the bag, you know, for tour players? Who cares? I mean, for the most part, right? Tell me what you're, uh, you know, tell me what you're not paid to play. Don't tell me what you're paid to play. We're not paid to play any equipment. It doesn't matter. We test stuff. We put what is absolutely best for each of our games in our bag. What did you play? Like, what what's your bag setup look like right now? Uh, it's been pretty solid for a, for a good while now. The only thing I've changed uh, is a wedge, but I'll get into that. So basically, from the driver up, um, TSI three. Now I've tried to tinker around with that and try to get rid of it. Not really. I can't get that driver is so good for me. Uh, the TSI three. I cannot find a better driver, and I put up against the stealth. And it still was just straighter, just as long, ball speeds, maybe slightly a tick hair lower, but I didn't care. It was the, the TSI 3 for me that is unbelievable with a graphite design IZ shaft in there. Um, yeah. All right. Pause. <clears throat> yeah. Let's, uh, Can we pause there real quick? Because two questions. Number one, you know, people were all up in our grills about, oh, my golf spy staff went to TaylorMade and everybody had their best ball speeds ever was stealth mm -hmm. and Blah, blah, blah. How come you're not, you know, uh, maybe a second on why you're not playing that. And then I know we had talked a lot about Ventus, which we've heard a lot about. But I'm sure Tony has some questions on 
graphite design iz Mm -hmm. question mark yeah uh so i i have played the ventus black in there and tipped it an inch it i just felt like it was a little bit too not loose at the bottom but soft ish ventus black tipped yes soft just a bit soft. So when I when I had those miss hits, those the, the spin weight went up just a little bit, and that was with a Ventus black. It wasn't a blue or red, so that was a black. So I just couldn't quite get into it, and and it couldn't quite beat the the uh, graphite design IZ six X, I think, or maybe six X. That's odd because the IZ is definitely mm-hmm. softer at the tip. Yeah. However, what I like about the graphite design is. If I go after it, it doesn't lag behind. It kicks correctly all the time. If I smooth it, it kicks correctly at the same time. If I try and go after the Ventus, sometimes it lags just that little bit behind and ends up coming a little bit spinny out to the right. Now, hmm. that that could also be me. I'm not saying it's the shaft, but... No, everything's the, individual. Yeah, the Mary, the, the importance about shaft and the head... And why I like the shaft and head combo that I have in there is my miss hits from a driver from middle of the club face to say a low spinny shot or a high toe is about 500 revolutions. Now I, you can't beat that for me. Um, it, well, and that could, that's the head and shaft combo. When I did it with the Ventus black, it was a little bit higher variation. So I want less variation in, in that spin rate. Um, so those two head combos, like for example, when we went to, to TaylorMade, and um, we did the stealth. I hate. I've never tried the lab. Um, yeah, the lab shaft, right? The LA, LA golf. LA golf. La golf. La golf. I. La golf. I've never La tried golf. it before, and hated the shit out of it in the in the stealth. Hated it. Interesting. And then the next day we went to Cobra. Had the exact same shaft in the Cobra head. Felt amazing. So it's a lot of to do with the shaft and head combo and that combination of marrying those two up. And for me, yeah, the graphite de- together. The graphite design was it was just no contest. So two things that everyday average you know average golfers should pay attention to. Number one is that your misses matter, mm-hmm. right? Like making your misses better is a huge part of fitting. Number two, that ball speed is important, but it isn't king, right? At a, at a certain point now. Granted, you have a little more to play with than than the average Joe, right? I mean, you're pushing 180 uh, miles per hour ball speed. Tony and I, we like to live in the low 160s. <laughs> like, you know, we might we might be willing to sacrifice a little more uh, ball speed for you know a couple things. But remember when 160 have, was good? Like, you'd have been happy with that, and then you get on the you're on with Harry, and you're like, oh, I suck. Yeah, I remember yeah. you guys got uh, pissed off when I hit my um the the stealth three wood. Hy- the stealth hybrid. I think I got to your no. It was at least a three wood. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was at least a three wood. <laughs> All right, there. move us through your irons and then into the wedges. What do you got? And then we're gonna get to the well. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna say three wood. I've got the M5 three wood with a Ventus black in there. Tipped. Sorry, he's got that older than dirt three wood. Well, Which I shows, did. Right? What do I say? Like that is the hardest club in the bag, I think. From yeah. People. Well, uh, for for a long, long time, right? I had a rocket balls in the the, the uh, stage two rocket balls with a Bayou from Aldila shaft in there, and it was <laughs> it was a ninety X by somebody. 
90X by you, like proto. I love that shaft. Really, really do. Was it an Ozic? Matrix Ozic? Was it? No, no, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it's a blue. Yeah, it was an old, it's like 15 years old, but like I said, I couldn't marry up anything better. Um, and recently I, I went to the M5, which I had in the bag a while ago with the Ventus Black and stable as can be, I can hit it off the deck, uh, which I yeah. find it hard to do with some three words is actually hit it off the deck. Uh, so can't complain there. Love that. And then I go to a Titleist U505 driving arm with, a, again, a graphite design um, driving iron in there. Uh, extra stiff. Seven, IZ? IZ7X. IZ? Yeah. Um, I, if I was going to change anything about that, I might tip it half an inch. It's, it's playing. Tip everything. <laughs> but it's playing right now. It's playing so good. Um, if I go after one, I might get a little bit too much, uh, draw into it. It turns into a power draw. But what I like about this iron is it's so impressively easy to hit off the deck. It's like hitting a seven iron for me. I can launch it high and it kicks really, really nice combo. Uh, so that's why I haven't done anything. I, if I go after it, I just aim a little bit further right and, and try and power draw it around. Um, Tony, do you have a power draw? Yeah, it uh, it teeters, right? Someday it's a <laughs> some days it's a nice little power draw, and uh, you know, but it's a fine line it crosses over to snap hook pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I have right? those two. I have those two. I think everyone does. Uh, so yeah, I got that uh, utility iron. The reason why I haven't got a hybrid in there is because I haven't found a hybrid that I cannot stop going left, um, just because of my strong grip. So I prefer a little bit more of a, a driving iron for that instance going down to the irons i've got four iron down to pitch and wedge of strixen iz uh not iz uh zx seven up until up until letters five iron and then i go into the fives like a um a little bit more forgiveness up top and talk to me about your iron shafts because Mm. this is uh this is where it might be it might be the most most important thing about those irons is the shaft talk to me I'll talk to you, Chris. Uh, so this was what two years ago, right? And somewhere in there, two, maybe, maybe pushing three. Now we went to the PGA show, and Fuji was there, and we're at Top Golf, and they had some graphite shafts in there, and I was just playing around with them. And as soon as yeah, I, iron I hit them, I was like, "Well, shit, this is this is this feels better than a." than a steel shaft it's not as heavy however my dispersion went from this to like this it went from a wider cone to a tight cone and that was one thing to do like at top golf yeah you know some fajitas and adult beverages and whatever that's okay fine whatever uh so then i was like i was really intrigued i was speaking to them so then i got them built for my set of irons back and i was using strix and five six fives and seven six five combo in there and then i got them in i was like well god damn i'm gonna have to play graphite irons in my in my eye and i'm i'm never ever going back to steel anytime soon um and you're a high obviously you know this is uh from the department of obvious statements you are a high swing speed player you are 120 plus with the yeah. driver 
So your irons are commensurate with that. You're not eking into that middle range. So you are putting a tremendous amount of force and twist and mm-hmm. torque on the golf shaft. And you're saying, hey, I'm seeing that these iron shafts are giving me better dispersion, better, more consistent launch conditions and playing competitively. You say, okay, this makes sense. However, what happened with that original installation? Mm. So one of my buddies that installed it, because, all right, so they all come parallel tips. So for people that don't understand parallel tips, they all come as a two-iron length. Okay, so they're all two-iron length, two-iron kick points, all that kind of stuff. So what you have to do is actually doing half an inch increments. So the two iron is going to be zero. You just cut to the butt from, from off the, butt the tip. Yeah. No, right. no. So it's two iron is zero off the tip, right? but you cut to length off the butt. Right. And then for every club down, you add half an inch off the tip, off the tip though, off the tip and then cut to length off the butt. So right. blah, blah, blah. So blah, 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 blah. blah. So you've got three iron is half an inch, four iron is an inch, five iron is an inch and a half. Six is two, eight is three, wedge would be four. Yeah, all the way from the tip. From the tip. So when I was playing them, I was like, coming down to the shorter irons, I was thinking, all right, so my side spin is a little bit too much than I would like. It's it's within within like 900 to 1,200 revolutions of side spin. So that equates to like, hey, it's starting left and kind of like drawing too much. So I'm missing greens a lot to the left. So I was thinking, all right, all this time I was thinking, hey, it's it's me. I'm just getting too handsy with it in the shorter irons. Uh-huh. Come to find out, so my four iron that I have in there is like a a solid stiff, like in between a stiff and an X. And then all the way down, progressively getting down to my pitching wedge, I'm now in a soft reg because of <laughs> the, because of the steps. Like amateur flex. It was like an R2 soft reg in my, in my pitching wedge. And that's why I was wondering why the hell is it going left? I feel like I'm controlling my hands. I'm like leading it open and this, that, and the other to try and stop it from going left. Uh, so I, I contacted guys at Fuji. I was like, Hey, um, I don't know why it's going left. And he says, send me a picture of your, sh- like, line them all up on, on the, uh, bit, right. like, you can see Show me right here. So I line them all up. Um, and all of the, all of the, the graphics on the shafts are all, par- like, perfectly. Yeah, perfectly lined. Perfectly yeah. lined up. Yeah. And he goes, how the hell have you been winning competitions? Anything? Anything or Any- how the hell have you been doing it with these shafts? And I said, hey, what's wrong with him? He said, well you are playing an all it's like a soft regular in your pitching wedge and it's a firm stiff in your forearm. I was like, all right, that makes sense. And everything just went off. And I was like, yeah, that makes You're sense. You're like, ah, soft stepped. So I, I got them, I got them to, um, cut a load, like cut them correctly. Um, and they send them. them. So they tipped them correctly. They sent them back. Um, thank you, Fujikur. Yes, thank you so way. much thank, for that. You have really saved Fuji. my life. Um, <laughs> and so basically, I got them, got them in, and then I was like, "Oh shit, this is this is this is even better." 
right? So this is even better than my dispersion was. And so my dispersion went from this with, with steel, this to right. the graphite that wasn't cut correctly, and now this to actually cut and built correctly. So will you ever go back to mm -mm. steel shafts? Not unless there's a huge revolution in in steel shafts. Here's yeah, what I like. Here's what I like about the the graphite. Okay, is the torque in the shafts. All right, they feel more stable than steel. I can still hit feel the bend point, even though that still you can get those like the rivets in there, so you can feel like the kick and bend throughout the shaft if you load it. I cut compared to um, a single one plane um, project X. Right. Uh, see, I've I've gone away from. Uh, well, you got your you got I can't your, remember what they even have. You got your LZ, right? You got yeah, your so they're all like single, rifle, single got... like mold, right? Well, so, you got your step shafts, yeah, yeah, all those different options. So I like I like that I can still load the shaft and feel where the head is with the Fujikuras. Coming through the rough, it is more stable through the rough, for me, at least what I have found. So I can hold the face and it's not kicking um, differently. It's not lagging behind. Whether that's true or not, it's just the way I feel. And it's coming through and it's and it's really helping it to go through because of the torque of that shaft. Um, I can knock them down. I can hit them high. I can hit them low. I can hit a stinger. Just like I no can. Shot you can't hit without them. Just, just like I did in the, um, in the uh, steel when I had them. However, I've saved, a, I've saved 15 grams. So I'm swinging them faster. Getting more That's distance. That's what you need is a little more speed. Yeah. I do so need a little bit more speed, yeah. So I'm actually swinging them faster, but more stable than a steel shaft. Uh, it was just. So you're never going back. If anything, I might. If there, if anyone comes up with an extra couple of grams in them, so maybe up to 120 grams, 125, maybe, then I might, I might give those a go as well. But I'm never ever go to the X100s 132 grams because. I, yeah. I swung them again. I was like, why the f did I ever play these shafts? They're <laughs> yeah. so heavy and I'm so tired of swinging them by the end of it. A little bit of foreshadowing there where there is a rumor uh, out there that Fujikuro might uh, slash will be coming out with it. Them. <laughs> just, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> We've been hearing. I mean, Mitsubishi has had MMTs. the MMTs, which have dominated because they got them in that 125TX, uh, which. You know, for the uh, the DG X one hundred X, you know, Nippon Modus one twenty five slash Project XLZ one twenty five type of people, this has provided a suitable replacement in the weight category. But Fujikura says they have something mm -hmm. on the way. So, all right, well, we'll see what happens. TBD. We shall see. So from there, from the graphite in the in the uh, irons, I then went to I have SM nine wedges. Um, 50, 54, and a 60. Okay. Uh, the only thing that I changed about my 60 was the bounce. What'd I, you go to? I went to four degrees of bounce. So you went to the L grind? Yes. And what were you in before? I was in an eight degree of bounce. But I, grind. Yeah, I like to open the face up, manipulate it, kind of hit lots of different shots. So whenever, whoever is out there, if you're opening the face and trying to hit those shots, you're now adding extra bounce onto that already eight degrees of bounce from, from, from at least mine. 
So I was basically effectively hitting 12 degrees of bounce or 10 degrees of bounce. And that leading edge, instead of it being like lowish to the ground and I'm open up, I'm now hitting the low. So you got middle. So I would say quarter way down the ball, I'm hitting that ball now. So I'm not getting a consistent strike and it's bouncing into it and I'm not getting the stop that I want. So I was a little bit, why the hell is this? So now with the four degrees of bounce, it was just like night and day for me playing on firmer condition courses. But even though it's some courses that are not as firm, I still like that versatility where I can hit one low. I can hit one open club face and spin it. I can hit a normal chip shot. Whatever I want to do, I can do it with that four degree of bounce. Tony, sounds like a tea grind candidate. Oh, and Maybe. I hit a tea grind, and that was that was naughty. That was a naughty. They say, I've, I've, I've asked. I've asked. You're they a... say that that you know by the numbers, right? Greater percentage does better with the L grind than the T grind, which is why the L grind is in the lineup, and the T grind is you just gotta wait for it to show. However, up how it works, man. I did go and buy one on Wedgeworks on uh, what's it, Titleist website for the T grind for the SM8. Ah. I could not wait, and I went for the SMA. Um, so I'm waiting for that to come in. I'm gonna. I, I bought that. Um, Hopefully, and I was like, ah, oh, it's so. It was so good, and I love that T grind. So that's a lot of equipment stuff. Which I'm is guessing. Great. Thank right? you. U.S. Thank open you, time. However, actually, I will add that I've got graphite in my uh, in my wedges too. What? Yeah, I got the MCI solids 125s from Fuji. Yep. Interesting. All right, yeah. so you are full, graphite, full graphite throughout the out. bag, Apart all the way through. We may, well, Ooh, we may butter. get there in just a minute. Okay. Don't, did you, all right, hold tight. So we've heard an awful lot about this Saudi Golf League tour. People have focused largely on the individuals rumored to be playing in. Some have asked for the releases, you know, et cetera. I'll throw a couple names out there. Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, Kevin Na. Adam Scott, Martin Keimer, Phil Mickelson, so on and so forth. And what I want to, Tony, I want to start with you on this one. We've talked an awful lot about the people. And a lot of the media has focused on the individuals. Sergio, within the last week or so, say, oh, I can't wait to leave this tour. Oh, you know, this is so terrible. You know, whatever. What about the manufacturers? What about the equipment companies in the sense that, you know, we saw that an awful lot of people left, you know, particularly Phil Mickelson very, very quickly, you know, uh, regarding some of his comments. Um, How do we feel about the equipment manufacturers and their role in this particular evolving debacle moving forward what do you think tony i don't i don't know that they have a direct role yeah it's it's tough right you would maybe in an ideal world you would see manufacturers go you know what you know we draw the line at this if if you're gonna play in this in this series this saudi golf league live golf whatever we're calling it this week then then we no longer wish to be associated with you and certainly we saw that I think Dustin Johnson, when he played in Saudi Arabia last year, was it one of his sponsors asked to have their their logo removed. 
Um, so I think there is an element of, hey, do we want to be associated with this? Uh, to use one of my favorite, favorite terms, uh, I've applied this to Phil Nicholson in the past, but I think it, it applies to this situation. Do you want to be dead hooker adjacent? And so, you know, I think if we want to say that the Saudi Golf League here is the dead hooker, uh, do you want to be caught next to that? Do you want to have potentially, if you're Ping, how use close the, do you want to be? Right. Let's let's use Ping as a specific example. Let's say, yeah. say Lee Westwood wins a solid Saudi Golf League event, and he is standing there right next to MBS or. You know, whoever the the Saudi government representative is handing him the check and the trophy, do you want your logo next to that? So I think I think that's going to be the big question. But because that's there, a very real consideration. Right? It is. That is, like, let's play that out for a second. So, you know, whether that money is, you know, that obviously connected from point A to point B to point C. So, and I think Lee Westwood is a perfect example because he is a, I mean, more or less a lifelong ping uh, ambassador, right? Not unlike a Bubba Watson who is synonymous with the brand. And obviously if they're going to play in tournaments, they need to use some equipment, right? Like they need to use, you know, 14 clubs, balls, gloves, et cetera. Um, if, and when one of these people should and or will win, there's going to be a, a functional amount of publicity with it, and right written into most contracts. You know, contracts are these opportunities for players to capitalize on that, right? Like Max Homa for for winning Wells Fargo will get a little bit of a bump from some of his sponsors because hey, guess what? He won a tournament. That's great for Titleist. That is great for Footjoy. Obviously, he's he's pretty much entirely under a Kushnet brand, but. You know, there are winner bonuses within there. So, ping, yay, Lee Westwood wins this event, and here's a bone saw? Yeah, I think, and it's, there's going <laughs> like, to be a few things at play. So, the first, I don't think you'll see manufacturers draw a firm line in the sand. It, it would be nice if a manufacturer took a stand and said, look, if if you play in, in live Saudi Golf League again, whatever we're calling it, we will no longer have you as a brand representative hard stop. I, I don't know that you're going to see anybody do that. I'll touch on why I think that is here in a second. Um, but I think the bigger piece here is you'll see it sort of finessed into contracts. Uh, hmm. one, one, and, and before I get to that, it, it is interesting. Maybe, maybe somebody takes a stand and say, like, what is the reason why, why golf brands go to the PGA show every year? What's right. the support the PGA of America? We're going to support the PGA of America. I don't know. Obviously, that's a different organization than the PGA Tour. I don't know to what extent that's they'll the say concept. Hey, yeah, we're going to support the PGA Tour, and as part of supporting that tour is we will not pay you to play on another tour. Now, connected right. to that, I think just about every player that has an endorsement deal that is tied to a number of appearances. Sure. Uh, Presumably PGA and, and, and likely European tour appearances, basically stuff that matters, stuff that people watch, stuff that is on TV, uh, stuff that doesn't piss a segment of the population off. And so I think what you'll see there is these these Saudi events simply will not count for the contract. So you're going to see players presumably have to find other ways to reach that threshold 
where they where they actually get paid. But I think you know fundamentally, if if we're trying to predict what manufacturers are going to do, manufacturers care about two things. They care about two things. The first is money. Right? They want to make money. The reason why they pay endorsement contracts, the reason why Lee Westwood is on staff, isn't because they love him necessarily. I'm sure, you know, maybe somebody loves him, but the idea is, hey, we pay you to wear a pink hat and pay pink gloves. And at the end of the day, we get that back because, hey, you get seen playing our clubs and wearing our hat and people want to buy that, et cetera, et cetera. So right, money right. is a huge factor. The other factor here is optics. What does it look like? And that brings me back to, hey, you know, do I want my logo? as part of this sort of the, <laughs> the, the money shot, if you will, right, <laughs> coming out of this. And so I think well, as this becomes a reality, what you're going to see is manufacturers weigh those two. Like which, which is more beneficial? Does, does the upside, does the potential money we can make ourselves from this offset the optics? And if, if we do see that tilt where the optics are so bad, companies start to feel like, hey, our logo on this guy is costing us money. You know, call it the Patrick Reed scenario in a lot of cases. Um, right. You may see them, again, find ways to finesse that in contracts. Or it could be, hey, you know, play in these Saudi events. You still have to hit your tour threshold as far as our contract goes. This does not count. And when right. you're playing in these events that probably nobody's going to watch anyway, um, don't wear our stuff because we, we, we don't want we don't want our name on your hat here. Yeah, we don't want loss. we don't want our logo on your bag. We want as much distance from this. Hey, you're an independent contractor, do your own thing. Leave us out of this. This is not part of our deal. Period. Yeah. So I think I think that's what's going to happen. But again, it's it's money versus optics and how close you want you're willing to be to the dead hooker. Yeah. Well, and the reality is, you know, this is like one of those uh, it's like filming something in real time. We don't know. We don't know how all of it is going to play out but the players that are rumored right it, it kind of goes throughout the entire industry it's not like it's just going to touch ping or callaway i mean those are the first you know first two that jump up obviously with phil you know uh lee westwood louis louis usazen etc sergio uh, taylor made guy now right Sergio's so taylor made what kind of Poulter's ball most title list. everybody everybody yeah, is going right? to have like, to figure out what the response is to this situation yeah, so Harry, I want to turn to you for a second, ask you this question. As someone who had turned professional, etc., I'm going to give you a $20 million check. And in order to uh, achieve that, all you have to do is commit to the Saudi Golf League, you know, what you know about it, what you don't, for the next, you know, couple, two, three years. How tempting is that? I mean, obviously, it's $20 million. <laughs> it's going to be incredibly tempting. Um. For me, I would stick by my morals and say no. I'm not playing in it, even though it's twenty million. Yes, yeah, because it's. I mean, because for you, and th this is kind of the thing that that you know whatever bullshit excuse well, that, would, given, that would I guess credit to Lee Westwood for saying it's about the money. If we have to give credit credit to somebody for that, but minimal for credit. for you, Harry, twenty million is life changing money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but my life for the rest of these guys. You know, it's not just, to say, hey, twenty million is is a nice. It, it pads the bottom line, but but fundamentally, they don't need it. They're already Lee Westwood. If he never competes in another tournament, is no. set for his, Sergio his, Garcia. Is set for I would under Phil Mickelson, yeah. maybe not with what we're hearing about the gambling situation, but most of these other guys are <laughs> are in good shape. So 
Here's what I, mean, I would really, do. Really, Harry, you would walk away right. from the 20 mil. Here's what I would do. If I took the 20 million, say I took 20 million, right? Anything that I had earned or the $20 million, I would donate to the people in that country that are suffering. Like I, I would literally turn around and do that. I get to play golf for free, live life, but I would donate all of that money to, to that country and those people who are suffering. That, that right there is enough for me. I, I wouldn't, I just have, for me, I just have the morals that yes, $20 million is a shit ton of money. And it's life changing to me, but why is it why is it me that is going to be life changing? The people who are affected in that country, their lives are changed are affected every single day. So if I could help someone or some people with that money, I'm going to do that. Um, that's the only way that I would play in that in that league if I was allowed. Yeah, I want to say it was Robert McIntyre, maybe title staffer that came out recently, basically said something to that effect of like, hey. I effectively have everything I need. Like you kind of went down the list of, you know, here's how I can pay my bills. Here are the different amenities that I have, the access to different things that I have. He's like, I live a great life. That is far more than, than I need or I want. And I really count myself as lucky to be able to do what I do already. For what reason would I take this additional money at the risk of, you know, questioning or needing to put my, my morals aside. Right. And, and say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and align with these people because I want a, B, C, or D. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a conundrum obviously on the player side, but you know, I think again, back to the corporations, the, uh, at what point in time. And I think Tony, I, I think it's really insightful to point out that this optics, as opposed to revenue, right? Which that's what marketing, you know, right, is based upon is this idea of okay, how many people see this ping hat, you know, on on a particular telecast or whatever, as opposed to people associating that ping hat with a murderous regime, right? Like the bone saw brigade, and 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 this is not something these companies have had to face before. So how are they figuring out? What is that cost-benefit analysis? How are they going, okay, you know, we got ways to figure out some of these different things. Like, yeah, that, you know, so-and-so being, you know, Titleist is sitting there yesterday with Max Hanma, right? Final final round battling, you know, down the stretch. And and uh, you go, okay, here's how much that TV time was worth, right? How much negative? Yeah, I mean, it's like... Well, and uh, it, there's... There's an element of likability that that plays into to all this kind of behind the scenes. If you, you know, Tiger's kind of a a, a different animal entirely. Um, pardon the pun, because he was just <laughs> so far beyond everybody else in what he could do. But but yeah, right. but beyond that, with when you start to look at the the other players that. It's probably not even fair to say move the needle. Maybe get it to wobble a little bit. Probably. Ricky Fowler at one time was certainly next on that list. And that, and that was because, you know, he was seen as exceptionally likable. Max Homa, right. right. Comes across as an exceptionally likable guy. Oh my word. If yeah. you, that same guy playing, playing for the Saudis is less likable. It doesn't matter who it is. And so if you, right. you take a guy like Sergio Garcia, who 
arguably wasn't very likable to I was begin think, with, can you given be the less likable. <laughs> and so, like, hey, now now you're dealing for TaylorMade. That that I would argue immediately becomes negative value. So you know, what do you do in those situations? Because there is a balance again, the optics and and being a likable guy playing on the PGA Tour or you know, sort of a guy who was tolerated on the PGA tour when you, when you jump over, that's yeah. I mean that, that influenced the optics. And I think, I think those are the guys and we'll see, cause we haven't seen any bona fide superstars. No, we don't know. Certainly nobody know. that's in their prime, right? Phil Mickelson. No, sorry. I think we can all agree. His best days are behind him. Sergio, yeah. Sergio won one major, but I think Westwood, fair nah. or not based on kind of what the expectations were for him. I think yeah. probably qualifies as an underachiever for his career, one major notwithstanding. Lee Westwood, 100%. for many years, was at the top of the list of the best guy never to win a major. Now he's just a guy who was good and didn't win a major. And so, you know, you are seeing kind of that that sort of the, the landing area for for yeah, really it, what amounts yeah. to, in many cases, career underachievers. I mean, put Greg Norman at the top of that list, right? So... <laughs> So if do, like if that's the tour, if that's the tour, like these are guys that are, are reasonably easy for for Taylor made to, to go to Sergio when his current contract and ends up and say, you know what, we don't have anything for you. Lee Westwood Ping is traditionally very loyal, but you can foresee a circumstance where they go, you know, sorry, we don't have anything for you. If you get into that. I don't want to say, you know, but he's it, like, hey, that's fine. I just got twenty million. Exactly, and so I'm for good. him, hey, I don't, I don't need this ping deal anymore because I'm making yeah. that money elsewhere. I don't think Lee Westwood cares about ping. I don't think if Bubba does that, their message is, I don't care about ping. I think, you know, whether it's Adam Scott or Phil Mickelson or Usazen or Kevin Na or Poulter, I think their message is, I'm totally fine taking this money from here because it would far more than offset any losses I would perhaps encumber because of losing you know, contract status with whatever company that particularly is. And so they're willing to become kind of persona non grata because my bank account is still going to be filled up by someone. It, it becomes interesting if we, we do. And again, I haven't, I haven't seen any names that really kind of make me do a double take yet. And, you know, no. but, and, and to be clear, like Rory McElroy has been, very direct, staunchly. Exactly, against. he's not doing yeah. it. But as a just to throw out a name as an example, if you get somebody at that Rory level who decides, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do it. That that's where the conundrum for the manufacturers really kick in because you do have a a needle wobbler right. who is now yeah. in that position to you know kind of kind of jump to that other side, instantly make himself less likable. But again, hey, how much less likable? What are the optics on this? Where's the balance? Right. And can we still make money from this guy if he's playing on that tour? And that that that's ultimately the decision that is going to get made. Can right. we still make money? Is there financial upside in us continuing to sponsor guys who who play on the Live Golf Tour? Yeah. So speaking of really ugly things, here we go. Buy or sell. The ugliest piece of equipment <laughs> that you're willing to play... Too late. That improves, Harry's wins, actually. That improves your score. So I I think this is super, because this really puts it to the test of like, Harry, you recently had a putter switch, and I want you to talk about that. And then I'm going to ask Tony, 
and myself, would you play the same putter if it allowed you to shoot lower scores? Because it is uglier than sin, right? Mm. Um, Harry? Yeah. It looks like a play. It's like the rare implement that you can use as to kind of turn over soil in your yard and then mount <laughs> it to your to the side of your house to improve your television reception. So it's it's very it's a versatile putter, Harry. That's Harry, what describe. You switched. Obviously, optics don't matter to you. Mm-mm. No, I switched to the lab uh, lab golf directed force putter that looks like uh, a shovel or a plate. Or a satellite disc. Do you have one whatever. handy there? Yeah. Grab it. Hang on. For Hold, those please. Who will, we'll have to make sure this makes it into the video chop-up portion of the program. Yes. Because okay, it yeah, is like a waffle. cover off. Yeah, there you go. All right. It's like a waffle iron. But you could, yeah, it's like you... So, oh, I didn't, I didn't even realize it had... So, like it's... I don't even know. It's, <laughs> it's like PXG on crack. At best, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a, like, all right, let's let's make a heart, and then we're gonna stick some screws on it and center shaft it. And for me, I, d- I really don't care what it looks like as long as it rolls putts in. Um, I've never had a putter that isn't that stable. Uh, I struggle sometimes. And you've struggled with your putting historically. Yeah, I mean, like for, I, for being a really, really good, well, exceptional golfer. Um, you would admit that putting has been probably the weakest part of your game, right? Yeah. So I'm always, if I can save half a stroke or a stroke around or whatever it may be, I'm going to play it, whether it's driver, whatever, putter, wedges, whatever it may be. So when it came to putting, I was averaging 32, 33 putts around. And shooting one, 30, yeah. one or one or two under. Because I was hitting like 14 greens and just, yeah, it was it was frustrating. And it wasn't like it was 30 foot, 30 foot away, 40 foot away from the hole. It was within 25 foot and in. Um, so you expect a two putt, a lot of those. And the ones that get a little bit closer, you expect a one putt. Um so I I used this putter in testing in, in the most wanted putter test. And I was just like, I can't. I, I sometimes cut across it, so I come out to in with my pattern stroke um, and get a little bit handsy. And I was like, I can't do that. It's so incredibly stable from back to front. Yes, it looks not great. I'll give you that one. <laughs> but I didn't care because... I, it, I was getting it on my target line all the time. And I, I, I took it out for the first time on the course. I had nine lip outs for birdie and shot two under. So now I'm looking at... You could have easily shot five, six, seven, eight under. And now and it was more to do with, all right, well, it's either pace or it's a line um, reading the greens for me. It's not my putting stroke. Just So it right, just gave so, me a load of confidence. So get right to it, Tony. If I could shave the same number of strokes off your game that I could for Harry, but you have to play and commit to playing the Lab Golf Directed Force 2.1 Waffle Iron putter for the next two years. Can you do it? <laughs> oh. 
can't commit to anything for two years. That's not right. Two months uh, is pushing it. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm for now, playing what many would consider to be a very ugly putter in the PXG Blackhawk or Blackjack, a.k.a. Warthog. Um, that's that's an ugly putter. It's, you know, it's... it's so way, is that the thing that ugly putters are going to become the thing because they it's work? It's way, way better looking than the lab golf. So, I mean, I don't know. Right? It's one of those things where... If it works or you can convince yourself that it, that it works, it's easy to keep it in the bag. I would say I would, I would say I would say it comes down to all right, if you're a serious golfer and you want to do if you want to play the best golf every time you go out and play, don't care about looks, try something like this out. Because for me it was it was a game changer. But if you're going out there with a buddies and drinking a couple of beers, and you'll probably get ridiculed and mocked and banter towards that hundred percent. Don't yeah. don't borrow don't borrow like, like at some point it. somebody's gonna but, sneak a blowtorch into their bag. They're just gonna heat that thing up and stamp it right. <laughs> however, in the like uh-huh. I yeah, branded like lab for life. Yeah, I would I would play if it was me and I had banter right and uh, I was putting really well, and my buddies are still shooting eighty five and I'm destroying them on the golf course. I would just be laughing at them and taking them money as well and having so a beer. So I was going to say, that's the other question here is, all right, so you're kicking all these guys' asses with that putter that looks, again, like a brand Ridiculous. Are you going to double down on yeah, that? Yeah, I personally... need to take their money and say, hey, not only am I taking your money, but I'm taking your money with a putter that looks like this. Yeah, like my ego doesn't play play into this if, if if i was shooting better scores with sgi irons with like hybrids yeah. throughout the bag i would do it and laugh at you at that same time yeah um it doesn't matter to me because if i'm making money and laughing at you at the same time like it's a win for me that dinner still tastes pretty good doesn't it, it? tastes even better when i've got a bag of hybrids and a putter for a, a toilet seat for a putter that's <laughs> we got toilet seat branding iron, but who cares? Cause it wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, I think that's, that's an interesting point. I'd love to hear what people think about that idea of form versus function. How does it look versus how does it play? I mean, Tony, you're an interesting one. We can come back to on, I think on another episode, you'd always played a really, you know, like the ping ZB, something that had a tremendous amount of toe hang, a very small profile, but it really worked with your stroke that had a very heavy arc to it. And now you're in something again, that looks, you know, again, more like, yeah, a branding eye or something that you might try to make a stamping set with, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm evolving <laughs> with the putter game. It's finally. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, like you said, it started with abandon when I needed to make a putter change because what I had just didn't work with the, with the type of grass and, and things like that, little things you, you may not even think of, like the combination really of, of the loft and, and needing more loft on, on grass different from home. Yeah. Kind of stuck. And now we're gone from that, that tailor-made spider to, uh, to the PXG blackjack. And at some point, and who knows what's next? Some point, like I've got, you know, I've had a Cobra putter here for a while, you know, back from when they, when they launched the, the 3d stuff last yeah. year. I, I'm for if I find a putter that I really like. The only that's the only ones because obviously Adam says this a lot, right? If you're if you want to be um, a professional in your in your say you're a carpenter and you have that hammer 
you want to keep using that hammer. They're not, you're not going to keep buying a new one because the weight's going to be different. Everything's going to be different. You're not going to be consistent at hitting that nail every right. single time. For me, putters are exactly the same. However, I do have an extra putter just lying around to put that one in timeout. So if just so it knows, just so it knows, and then when I come back, it, yeah. it's like, it, it oh, needs shit. to know your putter it needs really to good. know it can be replaced. But I have not done that with this putter any, and I won't anytime soon because it's just keep burning the edges. So yeah, I I do have something on standby, um, but it's nowhere near where where it's going to come out into play. So, well, and with that, uh, find us, follow us. I'm Golf Spy C. You got Golf Spy T. Harry, how do people find you and follow you on the interwebs? Uh, so, you, Twitter is Old English um, at G Spy. And then Instagram, in, yeah, underscore G Spy. And then uh, uh, Instagram, it's Nodwell's Daily Dingers. The Daily The Daily Dinger. so, Dingers. Find us, follow us. Let us know what you think. We out.